This conversation with two amazing poets was recorded for the Bar Crow Radio Podcast, November 2020. Poetry. <gasps> Everything. Poetry is not a luxury. It's a vital necessity of our existence. It forms the quality of the light within which we predicate our hopes and dreams toward survival and change. First made into language, then into idea, and then into more tangible action. Audre Lorde. This is Poetry, What Is It Good For? With me in our discussion with the best poets alive today is my BCR Bar Crow Radio co-host Rebecca McCain and actor, translator, carpenter, lover of peace, and poet Chris Brandt. Today we have with us two poets whose first language is not English and who you should get to know, Jean-Denis Jachim and Rina P. Espayat. Welcome to Bar Crow Radio, both of you. Hello, how are you? <laughs> Hello. Thank you, nice to meet you, Alan. Nice Thank to you. meet you, sir. And my co-host, Rebecca McCain. Hello. Nice to meet you, Rebecca. Nice, nice to, to meet, meet you. you as well. Chris, how do you know Jean-Denis? I've known Jean-Denis since the year 2000, when we were both in a workshop with Martin Espada. Oh, we know uh, Martin. Yeah, mm-hmm. we know Martin. We've had Martin on this show. Right. Um, and... Jean-Denis was, first of all, he was a very intriguing poet and very good, uh, enjoyed his work a lot. And we became friends um, and we've maintained the contact since then. Uh, Jean-Denis also been the poet populist of Cambridge, Massachusetts, which is kind of like the poet laureate without the laurels. Um, he ran a series for the Cambridge... Um, for, for, for the, as the poet populist of Cambridge. He also runs a series called City Nights, and he's invited me to read on that series a couple of times. It, it's always, he always puts together very interesting combinations of poets. Um, and Jean-Denis is, is, he's from Haiti, and it, poor, as they say, you know, poor Haiti, so many disasters at once. And Jean-Denis keeps a lovely attitude toward life. His favorite thing to say is la vie est belle, life is good. And I've just always loved him for that. Rina Spayat, thank you for joining us. And uh, uh, Jean-Denis, also thank you for, I'm not even going to try your last name because Chris has been tutoring me about... uh, Jean-Denis Joachim. Joachim. Okay, Joachim. It's very beautiful. Both your names are beautiful. How do you know each other? We met at Bunker Hill Community College. Yes. The first time the first time we met at Bunker Hill, uh, Rina was a guest lecturer. So they have events all the time. It's the liveliest place you've ever seen. There's always something brewing. That must be about three years now, wouldn't you say? I think it was more than that. We were invited by Pelonomi Komoetsile. Oh, that's right. That was yeah. long before that. I forgot that. Many more. And Many then more. Yes. I have a common friend. He used to be a dean at the college and he retired or he moved on to other things. And then one day for my birthday, he sent me a copy of your translation of Robert Frost as a gift. And that day when Rina spoke about language, about humanity, God, I said, why did I meet her so late? Mm-hmm. And since then, I follow her everywhere. Until, well, that's until I was like... part of her own translation group in her, at her own house, her own living room. You know, a bunch of us gathering yes, right. once a month on Saturdays. Yes. That's kind of the same thought that we had after we had read Rena's poems. Why did we not meet her so late in life? <laughs> <laughs> Once you pass a certain age, you're very glad to meet interesting people who share what you love. Right. So That's I'm nice. very glad. Chris introduced me to the two of you and the work that you've done, and I've been cavelling over it. I don't. You have 
You have a you had a, a Jewish husband, so you know Cavelli. Oh, I know all about Cavelli. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were just talking to Jean Denis about his poem uh, "Immigrant" and how he uh, translated the. Um, and I'm not even going to try the uh, the um, Haitian Creole, but "I am from the ocean" is the translation. But when I translated on Google, it was "I am a child from the ocean." And Jean Denis, of the ocean, I think. Of the ocean. I am a child of the ocean. And uh, Jean Denis was trying to explain, you know, it's like how you move from one language to the other. Uh, Rena, you do that also. Well, I'll tell you, the, the person I have to thank for that is mostly my father. My father and mother both were very conscious of the value of their own background. And I was born there too, so it was my background as well. But uh, of course, when you're in school, in, in a schoolroom full of uh, North American kids who are speaking English mostly and everything else as well, you want to speak whatever they're doing. So my father had to stop me and he was very stern and strict about it. The only thing in his life he, he was ever stern and strict about. He said, no, I don't want you to forget our language. Outside the door, it's all going to be English, but inside the door, it all has to be Spanish. Yeah. Because uh, because we don't want you to lose it, we want you to be bilingual. So I I did a little uh, foot stamping and yelling, and I said, "No, I want to tell you the story the way my teacher told it." He said, "No, anything that can be said in any language can be said even better in Spanish." <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a little prejudicial, but you know. oh, I like it. That's great. So, course, so I, 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 I had to give in, and I have been very grateful ever since. Right. I think yeah. I could think of some Yiddish speakers who might disagree with you, but... Uh... But Yiddish speak? <laughs> yeah, I love yeah. Yiddish. Yeah. I love Yiddish. I can think in Yiddish to a degree. Oh, really? Yes, because I was in school with a lot of people who had just gotten out of Poland and Germany and Italy and all the places that were threatened. So I was surrounded by people who were who were running from something at home that wanted to kill them. And I said to my father, who are these people who wear the little hats? They wear little hats <laughs> over their heads. And he said, those are Jewish people and they have been running for 2000 years. We've only been running for about 30. <laughs> so he, he straightened oh. me out on that and I felt very um, involved. I felt, I felt like um, a kind of honorary Jew, which I have ever since then. The whole purpose of this show, the main purpose, is to talk to you, to you artists, but also to hear you read. Can we hear something from both of you? Maybe something that kind of uh, resonates with this idea of translating uh, something yes. that, even if you want to read something in Creole or in Spanish. Uh, oh, or get, get John Danit to read you some Creole first. Yeah, maybe you Since we started talking about immigrant, I will uh, I'll read you this poem. For many years after, I have used this poem as, uh, as an introduction. You know, instead of saying, for example, you say, Jean Dany, what is your bio? Who are you? Because what comes with being an immigrant in this country, when you start moving places, there's always these extra questions. Where are you from? You know, uh, it's not that, yes, I live in Cambridge. Oh, I'm from Cambridge. I'm from Bunker Hill. But they said, yes, but where are you from? There is these extra layers under it. And I think by writing this poem, I wanted to stop it. So I always read it. I always make sure that I, I put it there, wherever I read, even in foreign countries, I, I read immigrant. And it goes like that. I am from the ocean. I am from sugar cane. I am from writing poetry. I am from happiness. I am words with no curves. I am the mainland with no boundaries. I am hope tainted with shadow. I am heavy rain. I am here. I am now. I am staying. Immigrant. Moi se petit lamé. Moi se petit chankan. Moi soti nan, moi se petit poésie. Moi soti nan trip la joie. Moi se parole sans chapeau. Moi se grand la koum pagen lisye. Moi se l'espoir kan balombray. Moi se tempête la pli. Moi se sawea. Moi se kounyea. Moi pa fè yon pa kita, yon pa nabo. Yeah, indeed. 
a beautiful language? It, it is. is gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous it is language. Gorgeous. It is gorgeous. Um, I mean, I love French as it is, but Creole is even more beautiful than French. Creole was created for, for poetry and troubadour music. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Jean-Denis, when you, when you read uh, those two, can, can I ask, which did you enjoy uh, performing for us or, or voicing? Not too long ago, I was on the panel, at the panel with Rina talking about translation. I, I cannot tell you today what was the original language for this poem. I don't know. Hmm. Even if I wanted to answer it to myself, I, I can't remember. But for me, there is one language on, on that sheet in front of my hand here that has the two poems in the two you know, Haitian language and the English language. But for me, there is one language, there is poetry. I, Because for me, I wanted to do something to express a voice, to speak of a reality. And the words on the page with the two languages just do that for me. And it, it is the same. It is the same. Each one with its particular music. You know, there certainly there are things in the Haitian pure language that I will, you know, the music I feel differently than the way I feel the music. I am from writing poetry. And then in Creole, c'est poésie. You see, for me, now in my head, living in two, you know, with my two existences, it, it, it's the same, but only the music is different. It's, it reminds me very much of the... the, the an essay by the wonderful translator Margaret Sayers Pidden, uh, who says that you, it's not so much you're translating, you are breaking it down into pieces and then reassembling it in the other language. Yes, yeah. yes, that's right. Because you don't you don't translate you don't translate words or phrases. You translate experiences, ideas, <laughs> thoughts, events. It's the it's the it's the what that you're translating, but the how is what makes the poem. So you have to have in your head very clearly what it is you mean to leave with the reader. But then I also forget what which language I began with. Really? The poems come in whatever they please. And and they tell me they're the ones that tell me what, what is going on in it. I don't know sometimes at the beginning of the poem what it is I'm thinking. And then something will happen, something will come along in it in whatever language. And then I'll say, Ah, oh, now that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm feeling. <laughs> but I have to I have to write on the page what, what language it came in first. Otherwise I don't remember. Can you read something, Rena? Maybe that could uh Yes, with this I will part be. of the conversation. Yeah, well, here's uh, here's one that's been in um, Poetry Out Loud book that 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 uh, Dana Joya put together. This is bilingual bilingue. My father liked them separate, one there, one here, aja yaki, as if aware that words might cut in two his daughter's heart, el corazón, and lock the alien part to what he was. His memory, his name, su nombre, with a key he could not claim. English outside this door, Spanish inside, he said, y basta. But who can divide the world, the word, mundo y palabra, from any child? I knew how to be dumb and stubborn, testaruda. Late in bed, I hoarded secret syllables I read until my tongue, mi lengua, learned to run where his stumbled. And still the heart was one. I like to think he knew that, even when proud, orgulloso of his daughter's pen, he stood outside Miss Versus, half in fear of words he loved, but wanted not to hear. So that's, that's, that poem is full of the ambivalence of the immigrant who feels that it's a kind of betrayal to speak something other than the native language. And yet it isn't, it's what I think in all the time. I'm really a gringo, a Jewish gringo with that sort of it. Yeah. The other thing we wanted to talk about, and you've already been kind of introduced that, is the idea of uh, immigration as a theme in your, in your poetry. Maybe we could talk about that a bit. I particularly wanted to hear 
Jean-Denis read either Lament 26 or Lament 27. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is, Oof. That, that, is that a hard one? These are part of the difficult writings. Those are things, more than poetry, this is uh, what you call documenting. You know, as you travel, you see, you, you have that camera in your hand. You, need, you must take that pictures to make sure that, yeah, you capture that. You can bring it somewhere. But this part of writing, there are certain things we write. It's because of the time we live, because of something that happened or because of what we witness and we want it, but not necessarily with joy. Yes, I will read that. I will, I will read them. First of all, why the idea of lament? This is part of, of what it is. You know, when you leave a, a place called home, there is also lamentation, not always celebration. So I wanted to record that. And unfortunately, I had witness enough to, to write 26 and 27 on all the authors. <laughs> and also, just to tell you, as Chris spoke to me about this program, and I'm sure that happened to Chris and to Rina, to all of you, it, it's not an easy task when you have to submit some of your, of your work. You know, you have a million children in a house and suddenly somebody tells you, I'm having a party, I want you to send five of them, six of them. Then you say, man, what should I do? What angle? What do I give them? Do I give a, a sample of everything or do I focus on this? Because now this is the election time, because we have a commander-in-chief that speaks this particular way about immigration. It, it's, it's, it's a tough decision. Who are you going to leave behind? You know, which one of them? So... But nevertheless, I did put Lamet 26 and 27. Let me read you 26, Lamet 26. Thank you. What I did when I wrote this poem, when I read it for the first time, it was at, at an event at Harvard. I made sure I printed enough copies. I said, forgive me, all of you here in, in the assembly. I'm going to, to put immigrants' words in your mouth. Forgive me for doing that, but I wanted you to be part of this poem with me. And I, 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 I printed plenty of copies that I give to everyone. By the time I started to read, I asked them to read with me. So that's what I did. I asked anyone to feel, not only to listen to me in this word, but to feel the experience in speaking the words. That's what I did that evening. So, Lamed 26. You never asked me why I came, but you simply call me immigrant. It never crosses your mind that the choice was never mine. You will never know the sacrifices. All that we own was sold to secure me the crossing ticket. I was the household's only hope. Yes, you sure don't know that so numerous were my dreams. I saw a vibrant land and us living well. I saw joy, respect, and equity. I saw peace. Father had already vanished as so many neighbors. There was a full hunt for young folks, the regime tagged as enemies. You will never know the burden when all bets are on you as you are sent forward alone in the vast open world. You never asked me why I came. You simply call me immigrant. Mother and sister cried when I left. I held my tears to end theirs. Here too, you don't know, many times I held my tears when grandma passed, I couldn't go. My papers were still being processed. Sorry, sorry you don't know how dreadful, staring con constantly at abundance when knowing that your people struggle simply to get by. Sorry, sorry you were never told that long before I came, your conquerors occupied us 
and left chaos behind. You never ask why I came. You call me immigrant because of my language, because I still speak of home, because I wander the streets, because of my early morning prayers, because I am at your school, because I am at your work, because I dare to be. It never crosses your mind that the choice was never mine. Thank you. That's a very powerful poem. Yes. Can you tell us? Your story, both of you. Well, I can tell you mine. My, I was. Uh, my, I'm the daughter of uh, political immigrants. My parents uh, were. They were in the diplomatic corps of the Dominican Republic. My father's uncle was ambassador, and at the time when the Haitians were mur- murdered on the border between the two countries, my great uncle wrote to the to the to the president at the time, the dictator Trujillo. He was he was a swine. And he said, I can no longer work for a government that murders innocent people. So, of course, my father, when he read the letter before it was sent, he said, you realize, of course, what this will do, what's going to happen after this. And my great uncle said, sometimes you have to do what you have to do. Let me cut in a brief footnote. Rena is referring to what is now called the Parsley Massacre. Haiti and the Dominican Republic are one island. And at one time, movement across the border was quite fluid and peaceful. But in October 1937, Dominican dictator Rafael Trujillo executed Haitians and Dominicans of Haitian descent along the border in vicious machete attacks. Upwards to 30,000 people were killed. And my father never saw his mother again. My great uncle never saw many of his old people again. In in other words, it it was a clean break for them. Mm-hmm. My mother took me back. She went back because she, she knew she would never see her family again if she didn't go. She had just, she lost a child the minute that the exile happened. She just she, she lost it immediately, would have been my only brother. And uh, she left me in my father's house because she felt that the Espaillats would be relatively safe. Mm. And within weeks, she went back with her sewing machine, which is what she had that she was going to earn a living with in the United States. So I spent close almost to two years uh, within my grandmother's house. And uh, when they had enough money to, to have a place to stay and jobs and so forth, they sent for me and I came. And I was seven years old at that time. That was 1939, two years after the Haitian massacre. People don't, Americans don't understand dictatorships. They don't know how they work. They think that you keep, you keep your, uh, your uh, free will, you keep your libre albedrio, you keep it all, but you don't. You don't keep anything except your fear. You want other people not to die because of something you've done or said. So I'm, I'm going to read a poem that, uh, that has to do with my father again. And this is one uh, in which he, uh, he, was, uh, he was dying. It's called Learning Bones. I'm learning bones to please my father's ghost, cranium, maxilla. He knew them all and loved to reel them off, each Latin name sonorous and ornate as from a tongue speaking the 19th century. He'd boast his only vanity, total recall, mandibula, clavicula, and not one out of place named wrongly or forgot, although learned long ago when he was young. Useless for me to argue that breastbone is really just as good and quite the same as sternum. On that point, he became stone. Gospeled by my own time, I worshipped use. What use was it, I jibed, to learn by heart in a dead language, static part by part? Better to know the functions of the glands, for instance, which I knew he did not know. His The mind's evasions or the work of dreams. He didn't like my century. Obtuse almost to change, he couldn't trust what seems. He wanted things to be and to be there forever in their place, like arms and hands. Humorous, radius, ulna, do not flow beyond mind's grasp, like impulse or nightmare. He liked the rational, the decent look of bones in place, holding the flesh upright, as bones do, as they seem to in his book. When Latin failed him, and the torment came that numbered and wrenched his bones as on a rock, 
he learned the flow of nightmare into night. The journey he took up has no returning and no soft speech will bring soft answer back. But clumsy, slow Aeneas, I am learning ilium, ischium, femur, a long prayer always descending earthward, rung by rung, fibula, metatarsus, to the ground in whose disorder lies that careful man. Pious at last, I pray his sleep is sound. We make amends in any way we can. And, and that's really about, about the divisions that take place between generations when they live in two different places and grow up in two different languages and, and with very different outlooks toward the world. Because I feel like everybody, I feel like, like a, a citizen of the world. But my father was Dominican. And I am too in my own way. I translate Dominican poetry. I do everything I can for my native country, but, but I'm from here. So um, this, is about, uh, this is about being multiple. And I think all of us, Jean Denis as well, is multiple. And I like being multiple. I like having everybody else's identity as part of mine. But it makes you a little different from those who gave birth to you. There is also in that poem that the immigrant is not what many people see the immigrant as, as a, uh, you know, a criminal, a rapist, uh, you know, the way, uh, the way many people in this disunited states. You mean our um, magnificent ex-president? Wow. Yeah, yeah. Soon to be ex-president. I mean, and when Jean, when Jean Denis said you had your audience speak the words of the yes. immigrant, Yes. You were yeah. you were personalizing it for yep. each individual, yes. and I, I I love that idea. Um, and all of these poems of, of the personalized. There's there's a poem, and I don't remember the name, but I know I I just read it, um, Arena, in in which um, it's about a bigot. Um, oh yes, oh yes. Oh, he he was he was a charmer, and he was um, a bigot of the first order. He bought a Polish a Polish uh, a palace, a palace of some Polish nobleman, and he took on the name of the nobleman. And he uh, he hated me because my name is Moskowitz. On the curious, intimate, and reactive nature of human identity. A man who hates me takes me for a Jew. Or he pretends to, since it gives him leave to satisfy a private grudge and pair it with scorn he is committed to. The yellow star he wants me forced to wear, I would accept with pride. He hopes to grieve me, spitting out my husband's Jewish name. I was not born to what he thinks that shame, but claim the right to share it as my due. The hate that aimed it makes me wish it true. And, and I, I, won't, I won't make believe I'm glad he's dead. Uh, but, I, I, I but, wanted you to read that for my for my wife, who is uh, who converted to Judaism. For me, I, I've heard you kind of you know respond with that kind of sentiment that um, you know th that you celebrate your Judaism, although you're you know you're not originally Jewish. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. If if yeah. only because of those people who hate Jews. Yes, that's right. Yes. Well, yeah. I, I, I did not convert, just as Alfred would not have converted to Christianity, nor would I have expected it, right. because I, I thought he was just fine the way he was, and he thought I was just fine the way yeah. I am. <laughs> nice. Very so, nice. I wish I was more grown up at the time, but not, now I am, and I would, I, would, I would not have insisted on that, but my family was so... Uh, insistent yeah. on it you, you, know? you do have to please the parents because you have to be part of that family the too. parents and the uncles and I, the rabbis that are in my family i mean it became yeah. kind of this well, my in-laws used to brag about me they would say see this one this one the shiksa she knows more words than my my niece does <laughs> uh jean, jean denis uh rebecca asked a question what is your story what is, my story because of art and particularly poetry it is somewhat a story of privilege, you know, as an immigrant, when I came here very early, I, by chance, landed in Cambridge and I found, I discovered a community of artists. I had to wait for a while to be part of the community of poets. I left, you know, when I left home, I left theater 
you know, I was on stage, you know, I was in the national theater group and I was in another one more, more political, I would say, more closer to the people in the, with the Creole language at the time. So I was, my existence was in, in the arts when I was there. That was the way to, to be part of, uh, of the movement that was going there at the time. So I came here and by accident, I had to stay. But because I quickly discovered the community of artists and I find ways in somewhat to continue what I was doing, that made my transition, my immigrant experience a bit lighter. Nevertheless, I stayed close always. I still stay close to the community of Unica to learn their own experiences and to witness and to take pictures. I, I gave that imagery earlier, you know, to write it down, you know, and working with students gave me access to so many stories and keeping my eyes open on the street also. And after a while, when you live when you hear you pass 15 years, 20 years, and you're from another country, you're from a country like Haiti, it doesn't matter how much sheltered you are by the arts, you start getting a couple of something. But lucky, the art has always protected me. Look at me, I'm now, you know, I met Chris at a workshop many years ago, and we kept that relationship that became a brotherhood of, you know, he's my brother. I, I don't even know if we were back home, I have to say, this is Chris, I have to say, this is, you know, back home, everybody's a cousin yeah. when you're with that person forever. Yeah. You know, that's what it is. So, you know, that yeah. that's, that's the relationship. And then look at me with Rina. Since I met her, I never, that's it. I won't leave side of her ever anymore. And that goes, that makes my immigrant experience lighter in the midst of everything. Uh, but nevertheless... I keep my eyes open. I witness. And now that I am a father, I'm raising, you know, children in this country. And that makes it more complicated. But I am grateful for the arts, but, especially poetry. But there's where you came from always clings to you. So I have a, another question. Since you both come from the same island, although it's a, a divided island, um, and you grew up with two different languages that are neither of them English. Um, how has, I, I've known other poets from islands or poets who grew up in, a, in, in the United States and then moved to an island. And there's something about being from an island that is indelible in the poetry and I can't put my finger on it. And I was wondering if, if you could speak to that. Well, what my husband used to say is that all Dominicans are cousins, and he, and he was right. He was right. We're all related, and even if we're not, we invent shared ancestors, you know. But uh, what I found out when I came to this country at the age of seven is that everybody's cousins, because I was surrounded in the classroom with Chinese and Japanese and, and uh, so many people from every corner of the world. That's New York. New York will do that. New York will make you everybody, everybody, really. It doesn't permit divisions. And as for John Dany, he's mon frère. <laughs> mon cher frère. Yes, 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 yes. We are because uh, with Rina, we belong, I would say, to a group of artists from both sides of the border in that island who share the common view that... Uh, the arts unite us. We are one people, one nation. Not politically, not speaking politically. Some people might take you know that sentence as you know the idea to move on my army on the other side or something. No, it, it's about we share the same sky, we share that same ocean that surround us. You know the same breathe. When we have to take shelter against you know our usual tornadoes that uh, cyclone you know, hurricanes that come you know every September we do that together so therefore you are we are one 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 special group together in that common space yes and 
the colors, the sunset, it is the same. You yeah. know, the see, same stars at night, you know, wherever we are, we, we see them. So we have to celebrate that. So we belong to that group who take time to celebrate. Yes. His wonders. You know his magic word, don't you? Life is good. Life is good. La vie est belle. Right now, with that thought in mind, what poem, we need another poem from both of you. What poem just pops up in your head? That relates to what we're talking about right now. Just well, comes I in. have something here called "You Call Me by Old Names." All right, and and and, and this is this and this is about being on the on the campus of Hunter College. And I had told my one of my my college friends uh, my whole name, which is nine names long, and she used uh, to she learned it she learned it by heart, and she used to call me across the campus because it's so ridiculous. So oh, could you say it for us? Yes. It's Rina Polonia Altagracia Margarita Espaillat Brace Batista Pinta de Moskowitz. That's impressive. That's fabulous. I love it. Right. That sounds like so a poem call, right there. You call me by old names. You call me by old names. How strange to think of family and blood walking through flakes up to the knees in cold and democratic mud. It was a big snowflake that day, big snowstorm. And suddenly I think of people dead many centuries ago, my ancestors who never knew the dubious miracle of snow. Don't say my names. You seem to mock their charming, foolish old world touch. Call me immigrant or social security card, such and such, or future citizen who boasts two eyes, two ears, a nose, a mouth, but no names from another life, a long time back, a long way south. And that's a kind of mood that falls upon you sometimes, as Jean Dany indicated just a minute ago. Every once in a while, you get that feeling that it's uncomfortable. But uh, it happens to me very, very seldom, not, not often at all, but seldom, that I feel like somebody else. Usually, I feel like, you know, like the president. <laughs> yeah, you know, Rina, as you read this poem, it's amazing. I, too, uh, <laughs> I have a poem just like that. And I think... Chris had to write one, two, as an exercise many years ago. We were at the William Jonas Center workshop, probably the last one we did together. We, we used to meet with Martin Espada there every summer. Mm -hmm. And we had to write a poem that is based on, uh, by Nicolas Guillen's poem that's called El Apellido. And oh, El Apellido. El Apellido. So I had to create my own, just like, you, you know, Sometimes we have to fight for this thing, this little thing, you know. And in real life, sometimes I'm tired, you know. My name is Jean Dany. It's so common back home, everybody knows you can be Jean Paul, Jean Simon, Jean Edouard, Jean Dany, but people just want to slash you in half, call me Jean. <laughs> God, I want to keep my name at least. And in difficult days, you know, when you're tired of it, the other day I went to visit someone in the hospital and I was just tired of it. I said, he said, what's your name? I said, Jean Daniel. Put Jean. I said, please just put sir. If you can't say my name, just call me sir and I'll take that. And, you know, <laughs> this is when you lose it. <laughs> wow. So don't complain. At least you've never been called Rene Esposito. <laughs> I have. <laughs> so Jean Denis, do you have a poem for us? Yes, I I you know I have to I have to choose between one of them is more personal, although it speaks of home. It's just a memory of the rain. Being from that island, I love rain. I love that so, one. I wanted you to read that one. People there, you know, when it rains, I'm sure Rina, if she lived there enough in that island, she could have had remembrance of that when it rains people run away as if this is the end of the world <laughs> and as a child i just love it i'll walk slow coming from school i just walk quietly to get wet i love it so i'll read rain memory for you but if i had my choice another choice i would have read on the other side of happiness the lot Côté du bonheur hey but we could do both we could do both yeah we, we got plenty of tape yeah. Okay, let, let, let's go for rain memory. Oh, I, I just love rain. And this is 
you can't say about your favorite child. This is one of my favorite. <laughs> I love it because this is exactly what I love. The rain. <laughs> rain memory. The afternoon rain when everything suddenly stops and all rush for cover. When the sun too takes refuge under the clouds to watch us from afar and the warm shower falls with precipitation as if it is late for an important rendezvous, cleaning in passing deposit dust left on leaves of trees and the top of houses, touching all with its regiments of fine drops dripping which quick to gather and form this improvised river with drags for a ride all lightweight things gathered on the ground. All that is heard is the soft streaming of water with all it carries wandering the streets on its way to the sea. And the fine tune of the evening rain carried by the wind, this symphony of rapid drops on metal roof tops like the blended sound of countless instruments in full harmony. I rain memory when a young boy in the comfort of the house quietly severing this feast of water which will forever give bliss to his mind. That's a beauty. I love the rain. <laughs> I, one, I, of the, one of the things that I noticed about both of your poems is that you often take extremely simple things. Um, there's, there's one uh, of Jean Denis' public reading, oh. which is so simple. It's, it's, it's like it's not even a poem. It's so simple. And then at the end, I was just overwhelmed with emotion. And I yeah. don't even know why. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. That kind of poem. Yeah. yeah. That's that's a difficult one too, but yeah, public reading. You you yeah, there's a story. There's a Yes, you you want to do that. You know, you want to do that a poet. First of all, so many shocks in that poem, especially where we came from. In the beginning, the poet used to be big, monumental people, mostly men. And in this one, in this poem, if you remember, Chris, it took a long time before the reader discovered the poet is a woman. Yeah. And then at the end, the poem, this poet, woman, had something to tell them. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Where, yeah. where is okay? Public yeah. reading. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Let me find her. Yeah. There's, you know, you have to work very hard to live. When you get to that immigrant thing, you have to challenge yourself for it not to, to follow you everywhere. And one thing I have to say, when I was home, I couldn't write anything that didn't have to do with the struggle of my people, of my place, of that land. It is here. When we in the community of author poets, author writer, that I, I had to relearn. I had to learn to write just for the sake of writing, to write love just for love, you know, to write about uh, flower, about something, you're joyful just for the joy of it, you know, to make that separation. So here's public reading. The poet entered the hall, the crowd rose to its feet and applauded. Like a champion going to the ring, she walked straight to the podium as the applause grew louder. The poet took a bow, the clapping died slowly. She opened her book while looking at the gaze of the crowd. The, the poet then closed her eyes and began to read. She read through their voices. She said her name. She read their names. She read their pains. She read their country. She read their abundance. She read their war. She read their nakedness. Then she told their story. 
she wanted to tell her own, her husband who left, her daughter's name, the country she left behind, life in the north, the man she loved so much until he stopped loving her. The poet spoke calmly. Then again, she said her name and opened her eyes. Everyone was long gone. It's yeah. a killer. It's a killer poem, yeah. Um, yeah. Everyone was long gone. Mm-hmm. Is that a, is, um, I know there's a, there's a lot more than this, but is that a, um, a thing that poets live with? Is like, who's reading my poems? Who's, who's getting it? Who's, is anyone ever going to read this? Maybe not you two, because you're, you're, you're known factors. Oh, everybody does that. Everybody wonders who. I, I used to think nobody after I'm gone is going to even remember that I lived. Yeah. You're right and, about that. You're right about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. right. Yeah. So but, For, but it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Yeah. For me, writing a piece is solving something for me first. You know what I mean? You you put it to rest. For example, Chris, this poem I sent to you on Sunday, I had to write something for the church. How, you're a poet, how do you write something for a community of American right now, today, and to be truthful to yourself and to the nation, to anyone, to a church community? Well, truth takes a long time. Yeah, I, I would rather be silent for a while, but I had to write something for my community. I had to, how do you do this? And with that, I'm going to touch so many points. First, Rina, guess what happened? Everything started coming into my brain in French. <laughs> <laughs> it was the French language that came first. Although I know I'm here, I'm going to church on Sunday to read it for the community on Sunday, but it was in French. You you just surrender. You take care of, you know, you surrender to the language. But I had to find a way to speak me, to put this issue for me. Because, yes, the election is over, but nevertheless, it's a fine split. And I'm speaking here without any affiliation on anything. I am... The observer, I'm the witness. I have to speak what I see. So it's a fine split with you know with visions. You know, this is my country of this is where I exist. Yes. It's been 30 years that I no longer, you know, yeah. be in Haiti. I, I have to make sense with that one. Yeah. It's a good split, 70 million that's what i had to write so i thank god poetry saved me i I wrote something that you know at least i can talked about it now we got to read it yes yes yeah okay i i called the poem offering because it's poetry i had to offer something you know what to do with with what just happened yeah, I call it offering. And I borrowed from another poem that I had written long ago, you know, the same format in order to write this one. If you know my poem, that's called The White Shirt. It's almost the same oh, format yeah. so that I did. Yes, offering. I am the poem without words. I will not be read or said aloud. I must now stand aside as I leave the page as an offering. Come and come all to write the collective voice. Write the redemption poem with your slogans from the last protest and whispers of endless nights of prayers. Write down the path to follow. Write your hopeful days. Write all that is said all that is heard, along with the children's dream, with their colors and divergences. Write the land as it stands. Let the page be a mirror. I am the poem without words. 
I will not be read or said aloud. Here, I take my leave. Yeah, yeah. and since you mentioned the white shirt, um, and also, of course, when, as we do these things, prepare for these interviews, we look for commonalities among commonalities and differences. And one of the things that I noticed that you both do is you take extremely simple things, inanimate things often, four chairs, a white shirt, um, and you, you bring them alive poetically um, and with, with Rena calculus or the, the one about walking walking down the street with God and talking mm. to oh, God. Oh, you like that one? <laughs> I love I, that one. I know yeah. you But we do a lot of arguing. Yep. Well, you, but, but it's so, you, what you've done in that poem is you have captured the rhythm of walking, of strolling, not walking, strolling down the street and, and just conversation with somebody that's neither here nor there. And it's just, you go on and then suddenly it blossoms into this magnificent thing. Well, I don't know if I should read that one or if I should read my other argument with God. <laughs> maybe maybe well, I should read the ones they don't know. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Arguing well, with God is something, well, isn't that a Jewish thing? Yes, it is. Yeah. Very smart. <laughs> one, one editor in New York once wrote me back a, a rejection letter. He said, you know, you have some very good ideas and you have a good way with language, but why don't you just drop, drop the rhyme and meter? <laughs> so I said to him, you know, that's like telling me you're a wonderful walker. Why don't you remove your legs? <laughs> and he answered me back and he said, you argue like a yeshiva boy. So I answered him because I always have the last word. I said, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm a good arguer. Oh, I know where that is. I know where that other one is. You know, we were talking about uh, writing about objects as if they're they're uh, they're real. Um, and I, I, before we leave, I want to hear the white shirt. Um, yes, if yes. We, if we, read, if we read the white that. shirt, read the white shirt. And and okay. then I, I, I also want to. I, I love the one that uh, Rena is about the the mango. Oh yeah, I love oh, the mango. Yeah. The, the mangoes at the Miami but, uh, Ousting the Murphys by <laughs> Rena is just magnificent. There's so many I want to hear. Oh yeah, you know, I want to do a whole album of you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Read the white shirt. Oh, and you know, for us, I mean, I know for Rena too. We just. We love to read. I, I I love to read poetry. I can live a life just doing Forever. that. I, I, the white shirt. And this one, I know it was written in French. That I know, that I remember. The white shirt. The white shirt for Ose. Ose is a friend of mine. Uh, Gitano was a the white shirt for Ose. It's me. I am the poet's white shirt. I have perhaps lost buttons. My collar stretches around the neck and my long sleeves cover the artist's arms. It's me, the white one he chooses always, not the blue he wears to work, not the red for protest days. He puts me on and takes me along on special occasions no matter the season. I am the poet's favorite. I am the white shirt. I shine in the crowd to light his eyes and I take the stains. White shirt. That's wonderful. That's one of the very first ones I ever heard you read. Yes. And I take the stains. I take the stains, the white shirt. Wow. Mm -hmm. What yeah. an image. Chris, I mean, Chris, right? I mean, this is... Yeah. I mean, I have the white shirt and I take the stains. Yes. Yeah. How it's beautiful that, is it's that? It's that little, that little tiny magic of the language. Yeah. Thank you. Thank and you. And it's amazing how often 
how often the magic of the language of English, which I adore, is discovered by foreigners. Because, yes, because it's a, because it's a different taste in the mouth, and yeah. it's it's a, it's a, it's a delight, really. Yeah, it's so really. different from the language we spoke in childhood. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is called just stopping. I don't think you know this one. No. Hmm. The God in whom I once believed showed up last night beside my bed and sat down at the foot. I said, what a surprise, Lord, I'm relieved that you're not dead. He shrugged. I have good days and bad. When I was Zeus, what clout I had. These days, it's all about complaints. What thanks we get, it makes me mad, goes to the saints for curing stuff and granting things. As if creation were a mall where every merchant has his stall. And arguments. You're made of strings. You're a big ball of motion. You're a state of mind. You're mathematics. On and on. Now I could see his face was lined like that of some old mafia don whose turf is gone. And he looked tired. Which, truth to tell, he'd have to be by now and bored. Unlike his counterpart in hell and only fitfully adored. He wasn't well. I told him, look, you need some sleep. Lie down. I'll wake you when it's day and make you breakfast if you say. But mumbling promises to keep, he paled away. When light returned, I knew I'd done less than I should. But then he'd run too soon to hear what or how much I might have said. Thanks for the sun or stay in touch. <laughs> That's good. You both, you, you both ended your those two poems ended with a like a punch. Yeah, but well, thanks for the sun is like it's so huge. Yeah, and then, stay in touch. Stay in touch. Stay in touch. <laughs> what 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 humor there is there? Humor and truth. Yeah, and there and all in, in really good humor. It's always truth. And sometimes he feels like a mafia don. Yeah. <laughs> he had no business letting so many people die. And in, uh -huh. in, 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 in terrible things the world over, you have thousands of innocent people drowning and, 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 and burned on, on these fires in California and so on. I just, I, I can't deal with it. But, but I, I'm on speaking terms still. I wish I knew... That I had to read a poem by Rina to know which one, from which book to choose. Oh, my goodness. I've, I've got to go get one of yours. I read something from your book that's called Playing at Stillness. And I'm going to read something. I don't think I read it before. Drinking the Colors. She turns to ask me, will I drink all these colors? And yes. I tell her, it's water does that, she says, and points to the stone fences. It's water does that, she says, and pointing to the stone fences. Yes, I say, we walk to the landscape of October, she hanging heavy on the bones of my bent arm a long cry cut in my throat. She turns to ask me, am I really her daughter? And yes, I stroke her. And yes, the trees are weeping and we drinking under them. That's a difficult one. Yes, that's my mother with Alzheimer's. Yeah. But you saved the feeling with writing, beautifully done. I'm sure you put that to rest when you did it. Yes, well, you know that's true. Putting to rest, putting to rest is one way to put it. But I, I there are, I, I don't know how people live without poetry. I really don't, because there are so many things in life that you cannot put to rest until you've made something beautiful out of them. Mm -hmm. It's as if what you did making a poem was making a little, a little, uh, a little clay pot, for instance. Mm -hmm. And you take this clay pot and you dip it into your mind, into your unconscious, 
and it comes up with something in it, with water. Comes up with water because there's always a stream flowing under there. You don't know what's in it, but there's always a flow. And when you bring it up, you realize that the water is sweet, even though what went into it is bitter. And the, cu and the cup itself is attractive. The shape of the poem is nice. The music is nice. The taste of the finished thing is nice. So whatever the pain was that caused it, it's almost justified. It's not that you get rid of it. You, you never get rid of pain. My husband died four years ago. I can't get rid of it. But I've written poems about it that make it, that make it bearable. It's just bearable. That's about it. And I don't know what on earth else people would use. Some people use liquor and it doesn't work. Uh, music music sometimes. Music, yes. yes. Well, because music is another form of poetry. Yeah. Or sports. Yeah. Sometimes when I can't write, I run my my life over. You know, go for a long run, you run, you run, you run. Yeah. Well, that's just because you're young. <laughs> the rest of us don't have the needs to do that. <laughs> used to. Yeah. Rina, read something. Yeah. Well, this is Jean Denis writing in. What did you write it in? Which one is he it? He wrote it in English. He wrote it in English, and I translated it to Spanish. Remember that one? That's Which one the, is it? This is the one. It is not certain when we will gather again. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes. Okay. That's a COVID. Yes. Yes, that's a COVID one. And he wrote here, would you be kind enough to translate it for me in Spanish while I work on the French version? version. Merci beaucoup and be well. <laughs> it is I'm lucky. Not I use my I use my privileges. I told you. <laughs> it is not certain when again we will gather to speak, share, and celebrate our work together. It's neither for tomorrow nor the coming weeks that we will congregate for a warm reading fix, as we have often done in so many places. A jam-packed room, a backyard, at sacred places, an auditorium a salon or a garden. We never have thought that could be from us taken. Male pagan clankson. Life does not as it pleases. We are, of course, confronted to face the challenges. This era is defined by social distancing. But just as nature does, we can still make life sing. And I love that line. Even at times like this, poetry still matters. Let's give to the season with some well-deserved chapters. ¿Cuándo volveremos a lograr juntarnos, compartir y celebrar? Ni mañana ni en las próximas semanas daremos rienda libre a nuestras ganas de ofrecer lecturas públicas como antes, en todas partes, cuartos rebosantes, en auditorios, en jardines, patios, reyos, salones y sagrados sitios. No esperábamos perder este placer, La vida dicta lo que se va a hacer. Hay que enfrentar el peligro, por supuesto. Aislarse, cada uno es parte de esto. Pero vale, como siempre, la poesía. Demes los versos al amargo día. Let us give poems to bitter days. And with that, I think we should end this edition of yeah. Poetry, What is it good for? I think because... it's so damn clear what it's good for. Yeah, we just got an answer. Didn't we? we got we yes, got we two we got very answer. excellent answers. Right. We got yeah. a whole hour of answers. And a whole hour of answers. Thank you, the four of you. Thank you very much. We of you. Thank you. We've opened a door to us, and not everybody does that. But it's wonderful to see that it's happening. It is our it is our honor and pleasure it's, and respect. Oh, and it love. is so joy. Our, joy. I'm so glad we started doing this series. And this is the, what the seventh or eighth one we've done now. And we have met such wonderful poets. Each time it's a huge surprise, whether we know them or not. We know, I mean, I, I know John Ani for 20 years, and I've just learned many new things tonight. Well, thank you so much for joining us in this series. And, you know, if, when we get our big uh, Guggenheim grant, we'll do we'll do uh, another. <laughs> we'll let's do, another let's do it before that. <laughs> okay, uh, let's not yes. wait that, that long. Would be fun. That would be fun. <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you both. Thank you. And so we want to thank our poets Jean Denis Joachim 
and Rina Espayat for joining us for this edition of Poetry, What is It Good For? And Chris, um, you're working on our next poet, aren't you? Um, who do we have coming up? Well, I'm hoping that we have Eugene Redmond, who is uh, uh, was part of the black arts scene in the 1950s. Terrific. Um, and I've asked him to invite somebody else uh, that he would like to be interviewed with and read with. Right, because we always pair these these poets so that right and in january looking toward january we have meredith bergman who is a fine poet and also a sculptor who has recently uh, put up the the only sculpture of a historical woman in central park Uh, three historical women in fact i just saw it it's magnificent it is it is Um, what is it susan b anthony Mm. Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Sojourner Truth. Nice. That's right. And Looking at voting returns. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> Vote, yeah. Is that is that what it is? It's depicting them. Looking that's at what voters. it originally was. Okay. I I'm, I'm, I think they changed that a little bit, but I'm looking forward to that. And I want to thank you, Chris, for uh, for giving us the opportunity and introducing us to these wonderful poets. Well, it's great for me too because I know, like, I didn't know Rena before. I invited Jean Denis and said, you want to invite somebody? He said, yes, I know exactly who. So now we know another poet, another wonderful poet whom we had no idea of before. You're tuned to the Poetry What Is It Good For podcast. Let us know if you want to receive the Poetry What Is It Good For newsletter with updates on our postings. You can write us at poetrygoodfor, that's one word, poetrygoodfor at gmail.com. And consider donating to our efforts at our website, poetrygoodfor.com. And a great big thank you to Tim Gopperud for giving us permission to use his composition, Fantasia on Three French Carols, performed by Carrie Vecchioni on oboe and Ralph Erdahl on double bass, otherwise known as Oboe Bass. (laughs) ¶¶